Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Hey, Mary. Hey, Jillian. How are you doing today? I'm doing, actually doing pretty well. Awesome. Yeah. It's one of my good days. <laughs> oh, we have good days and bad well, days. Well, hang, hang on. Wait a second. What? Do you hear that? My allergy medication is kicking, kicking in. in. So it's you're doing good. better as well, too, good. eh? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So um, we're going to be talking about a great subject today mm-hmm. because you <laughs> and I have been processing this a little bit. Yes. Because in your confinement, mm-hmm. not that you're pregnant, that's what they used to call confinement, remember? <laughs> Don't break uh, in, that in Jesus' name. <laughs> in your confinement during COVID, you've been doing a lot of introspection. Yes, I have. And you've realized that you might be a highly sensitive person. Yes, I've been fighting that term for a long time. Because it's a icky term, isn't it? Well, I think society, it's certainly in our culture, has been it has been some negative labels. Yes. Yeah. And it's always used to shame people. Yeah. Like you're just too sensitive. You're too sensitive. Don't be a crybaby. Right. Uh, one of, I've told you this before, one of the um, teasing labels I've been given through much of my life is princess. Yeah. And you think princess is a good name. It's royalty. But it's used to say, oh, you're such a princess. In a needy kind of all about me way. All about me way. And you can't handle anything. And you're so like sensitive. Um, so it, it has a lot of negative connotations. Yeah. And so I fought that. Um, and part of my processing has been, as I've done the research on what defines a highly sensitive person, I cannot deny that I exhibit many of the traits. Uh, right. At this stage in my life, because it's been a negative and because it's triggered a lot of shame in sure. me, I have very good skills at hiding it. Yeah. Uh, and I have an ability... Uh, to my detriment, to put myself in situations that are not healthy for me, and I can just endure it. And I endure it, and I endure it, and I endure it. And then I don't give myself space afterwards to uh, recuperate from that. Okay. Oh, so this is going to, we're going to be diving deep, I bet, into this one. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, first of all, for being open to the conversation publicly, Mm -hmm. because I know that a lot of this it, it triggers such a bunch of ugly stuff. Yeah. Even just when you're saying that about that word princess, mm-hmm. like I remember someone saying that to you. Mm-hmm. And of course I wanted to just go and deal with that person mm-hmm. because the way they were inferring it was so uh, negative. It was derogatory. And it was derogatory mm-hmm. and I just wanted to fix them. Yeah. <laughs> and so the fact that you're willing to do this publicly is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason we do these things publicly is um, because we want other people to feel that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to remove shame from people. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm reading some of the research. It says that one in five people might fall into this category. Mm-hmm of being considered highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, like we had conversations about the Enneagram numbers and things like that, but just because a person feels tougher on the outside or exhibits more tough behavior, it doesn't mean that they're not very highly sensitive inside because mm-hmm. we all wear masks, That's right? right. And so I think I'm going to resonate with some of this conversation I too. I have a feeling you will Yeah, too. I think I will. So mm-hmm. um, let's just dive right into this idea 
of there's been a lot of research on it, mm-hmm. a lot of writing on it, mm-hmm. and maybe you can talk us through sort of what are the markers mm-hmm. that would label someone from a research perspective highly sensitive. Sure. Uh, and before I say that, I do want to preface the reason why I'm letting myself go there and being vulnerable is I've come to realize um, a couple things. One is that uh, I am fearfully and wonderfully made and that there is a very, very good purpose for it and that I shouldn't try to change who I am or how I'm wired and I shouldn't be shamed of it. Uh, So that's really, really important. And the second thing is that uh, my calling, my purpose comes out of the way God has wired me as well. So as I keep fighting the truth of how he's wired me, I could also be fighting what he's actually asking of me. And the gifts that you have to give to the world. That's right. I I think of the work that you do, have done, will do. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm I'm looking through some of the traits here Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, I don't want you to shut down or minimize any of those traits Mm -hmm. because they make you great at what you do for humanity. Right. And I've been on the receiving end of so much of this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to rob anyone else of this in right. their life right. as it comes through you. Right. Because I know how richly I've gained from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. And and I and I am putting myself out there because I know that there's uh, listeners who are going to really resonate with I, this. I, I and totally have also, agree. Uh, fought it and struggled with it. So. Yeah. Yeah, so um, from a genetic standpoint, actually, uh, and we did talk about this in um, the podcast, we talked about the confidence code, Yes, uh, that there is a genetic wiring uh, that um, makes us more prone to being sensitive. And they differentiated it um, from those that are kind of physically, uh, um, nervous system wise, uh, very uh, resilient as dandelions and those of us who are more sensitively wired as orchids. Okay. And um, so that's an image that I've had to play over and over my mind to keep me um, grounded to the beauty of the orchid. And the other uh, analogy that I use that um, a good friend of mine who herself is a highly sensitive person has used is the description of myself as a Stradivarius violin. Oh, yeah. Which is you wouldn't throw a Stradivarius violin in the backseat of your car sitting in the sun baking. Uh, You would treat it with care. And when you treat it with care, unbelievable beauty comes out of that. So that's uh, from a genetic standpoint. And um, I have passed on some of those traits to my kids. Yes. Um, And it's uh, all sorts of levels from emotionally more sensitive to uh, sense-wise. My husband and I have this running joke uh, that I can smell anything. Uh, I have a nose like a hawk, which is a funny thing to say because... Hawks aren't known for their sense of smell. It's funny. <laughs> Probably more like a dog. Yeah. Uh, but like my sense of smell, my sense of taste, uh, my hearing, everything is acutely tuned in. And with that means that while I can pick up on all sorts of things, I can also become, my system can become overwhelmed or overloaded. Right. And I need to retreat. Okay. All right. So they, right. they generally feel things more deeply and not just on an emotional level, but on a physical level. I can feel my pain more. Uh, right now, part of my struggles, uh, it, I can feel all the aches and pains in my body. It's harder for me to dismiss it because it's like it's ringing in my head. Right. A lot more so than somebody else. Yes. Would be. Mm-hmm. 
Um, with feeling more deeply, uh, you notice things more. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and this is where I, I was coaching um, another two, actually, this morning. And she also is a highly sensitive person. And I was just, it's so funny, I can see it in other people so much easily. The, the gift that she is, because she noticed things um, that other people would not have noticed in the situation she was describing. And it really bothered her. I mean, she lost sleep over it. But I said to her, but you notice this and look at what's happening. You are taking that insight and that pain and you're actually solving a problem because you notice something that other people didn't see. Yeah. And of course, it's related to what she had perceived uh, relationally and with people. Of course. And so that's really a fantastic part of it. But on the downside of it, what I just described with her is we can also be more emotionally reactive. And it, reactive doesn't mean out there, it's internally. Like it's just, we get very chaotically messy and emotionally inside. Mm -hmm. And we will feel the pain more, our pain as well as the pain of others on behalf. And for me as a two, I have to say, I probably feel more other people's pain. I'm like a radar, I can walk into a room and I can pick up on the pain that, or, or emotions that other people are feeling. Right. Uh, I'm less sensitive to my own, but that's also because I have taught myself to deaden myself to my own emotions. Well, and from a professional standpoint, you deal with so much that is very difficult stuff mm -hmm. that it may be hard to go there with yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Into your own pain because you've had enough of it all day long mm -hmm. as you've listened and been empath empathic towards others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing too is people who are highly sensitive or uh, highly sensitive people, HSP as we'll call it, um, they do tend to gravitate towards fields like mine, of course, where they want to be able to help people because they feel people's pain. And I think God has wired them to feel the pain of others to move towards some resolution exactly. of that. But well, it I, comes with a cost. I'm just looking at um, watching the PSWs right now, the mm -hmm. personal support workers mm -hmm. working in the long-term ter care homes. Right. And some of them have been there for, you know, 25, 30 years. And their attitude is that, you know, this is such a delightful place to work. And I'm thinking, wow. Right. And it's because they they have such great empathy mm -hmm. and and I imagine they're HSPs. Mm -hmm. Yes, a lot of them probably are. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, HSPs, because they feel so deeply and they want to resolve things for others, they're also more uh, prone to uh, uh, compassion fatigue. I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's um, on the emotional level. Um, the thing that's also interesting about highly sensitive people is we are um, can be hyper aware or at least what we perceive to be what other people think about us. So that makes us more self-conscious. That makes us more likely to be a uh, perfectionist, uh, more likely to not want to make a fool of ourselves in front of others. So in this research, they found that the majority of highly sensitive people prefer individual sports. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like to feel like they're being evaluated, but they right. also like they don't like to feel like they're letting people down. Right. Like for me to play in a team sport, uh, I've learned to laugh it off. But like if I'm doing poorly and as a result, everybody's suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I don't like it. Oh, I get that. I hear that. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been in situations where um, toxic situations where I've heard men say to other men, mm. this teasing way that men do, you know, the... Um, the putting down of mm -hmm. other men. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that there are some cultures where it's okay to feel deeply. Mm -hmm. It's okay to 
uh, be more sensitive. Right. But certainly in the North American culture, yeah. you know, tough stuff, yeah. don't cry, you know, mm-hmm. I, I only cry at funerals, that kind of stuff. It's just, it's so demoralizing, isn't yes. it? To men and to women. Exactly. You make a really great point. So highly sensitive people can also be male. Yes. Uh, it's probably culturally more acceptable for females to demonstrate those traits of an HSP, but men also are HSPs. They still have the genetic uh, makeup for it, but it may come out looking differently and they, right. they may hide it more. Uh, and that is a problem because when they hide it more, then they're not doing the appropriate self-care or uh, the grace that they need to give themselves. And also they're shutting down part of their gifting to this world. Right. And what are they modeling to their sons? What are they modeling to their sons? Right. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So I like that idea of the solo sport person, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, Because you don't want to let the other members of the team down or be in a competition where somebody else is losing. Right. And all that other-centeredness, HSPs tend to be very polite, very conscientious in social situations because they don't want to hurt people uh, to the point where (laughs) this is a funny thing. When I'm driving, if somebody is behind me and I feel like I'm not driving well and therefore upsetting them or bothering them, it bothers me. I mean, I have to kind of like... That's their issue. See, this thing, that's their issue. <laughs> I know it is. I know it's, that's what you would say. But for me, it's like, ah. And um, so uh, it's harder for me to feel like I might be causing anybody any pain or harm. And uh, it's, so it's so other-centered. It is, but it's not. I don't mean to make it sound like I'm so... In my unhealth, the other-centeredness is fear-based. Uh, yes. I fear what people will think about me and, and being judged. So right. that it's the, the two sides of the coin. So uh, the other-centeredness can be a strength, but it can also be a weakness. Of course, because the other-centeredness can be the strength when you're helping with boundaries mm-hmm. and when it becomes where it's a reflection on you. Right. Um, and it can be martyr syndrome. It can be. And I can get pretty self-focused in that and self-protective and narcissistic and all of those things that are not good because I'm being other-centered. So that tends to be um, often the case. And by the way, uh, not all um, HSPs are introverts. You would think that they are. Um, uh, I'd like to consider myself uh, ambivert. (laughs) There actually is a term uh, where I'm actually almost equally both introverted and extroverted. And I do wonder if part of the what I perceive to be introversion is actually my HSP needing some downtime to to kind of recalibrate, recalibrate almost. Yeah. yeah, recuperate yeah. from that. Uh-huh. So well, with that also Wait, I want to stop you sure. there because first of all, I can imagine you walking into a room mm. and being able to read the room, mm-hmm. read the need. Mm-hmm. Um, try and respond to the need appropriately, trying to figure out who needs you to respond, Mm -hmm. that would be exhausting. Mm -hmm. Yep. Welcome to my world. No wonder you need to go home and Mm -hmm. sit in the bathtub. Yeah. Because to be that keenly aware Mm -hmm. and dealing with all that and trying to make decisions about that and then coming home, I would just be totally exhausted. Yeah. Well, like even right now... um, as a HSP, who's also a two, it's a tough time for me in the sense that the needs are out there are overwhelming. 
Oh, they certainly are. And not only do I feel like I can't address it, but it just feels overwhelming. Like I can't feel it all. And and so I think part of how I've coped is sometimes to just like not react and shut it out and not think about it. Um, I've had conversations with people, not just during this time, but like I do work, not just with the clients I work, but I work in human trafficking. I work overseas with that. And people often will marvel and say, I could never do that. I could not handle the pain of that. And that's likely a HSP talking about it. So this time has been tough for me from that standpoint, but it's also given me permission to disengage. Yeah, which is really good because you need to rejuvenate, regenerate, recalibrate, Mm -hmm. and rest. And when there's all that need coming at you, how can you possibly rest? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, with that Sensitivity to others, uh, HSPs tend to work well in a team environment. Uh, they also tend to be the one that stresses a lot when there's conflict or where there's, you know, unhappiness there and wanting to make everybody happy. Uh, and on an emotional level, they're also a more tendent, uh, more have a um, tendency towards anxiety or depression, especially if they had a lot of past negative experiences. They kind of tend to wear on them more that it's harder for them to bounce it off. Right. Yeah. So what about decision making? Because... I'm going back to that. I'm picturing you in this room with yeah. all this need. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you decide what needs action and what doesn't? Exactly. When there's all that need coming at you. Exactly. That's why HSPs do have a hard time making decisions. They, wow. Uh, especially when all of my decisions affect others and I'm considering how it's affecting them, it can get a little bit, a lot overwhelming. Yeah. And then I can get paralyzed with that. So that's something that's, that's a good uh, question to ask. Um, but it could be something as simple as, because I can see all the shades of gray in something um, as a highly sensitive person. And um, I can it takes me longer to make a decision. Uh, I also tend to have more difficulty um, making what I think is a wrong decision. And I'll stress about it. And a lot of decisions aren't right or wrong. It no. just is. Right. And I have a fear of the consequences of making a wrong decision. And as a Christian, I have a fear of making a wrong decision according to what God says. Is oh, gosh. Right Can you hear me? exhausting. What's... Exactly. I'm exhausting. You just tell you what's <laughs> happening in my you head. You are. Oh, dear. Yeah. But I'm thinking about um, the wrong decision making. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of energy, too. Mm-hmm. Um, do you worry about what other people are thinking about you when you make a decision, like, I don't know, uh, when you're ordering a meal at a restaurant. Is that an easy decision for you to make? Yeah. Um, okay. So, I mean, not all decisions are life or death, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I have to say, um, my um, pushing myself to face my... Um, sensitivities has actually not been all bad. It's been good because I've learned to develop some resilience and uh, a tougher skin to things that I should. And I'm generally much better able to let go of what people think about me uh, if I don't know them. Right, Uh, right. It's harder in my closer circle, but like... uh, I, I don't really care if what the waiter or waitress thinks, the right. server thinks, um, yeah, to the point sometimes where my kids are going like, mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, well, that's the reason you can dress up in 
in character and walk into a restaurant because you really don't care what it people think true. when we do our murder mysteries. It is true. So I think I think there is some health to yeah. to what I'm doing, uh, how I am. So you have put some boundaries around it, which are really good. Yeah. But like I said, with the the core people that I care about, it yeah. is harder. And I do have to say, highly sensitive people can be very sensitive to criticism. Oh, we hate criticism. Yeah. Although I pretend like I don't because that's what a mask wearing HSP does is I pretend that it doesn't bother me, but I, it, I chew on it. I chew on it and I, I'm healthier now and being able to let it go. What about, um, in terms of being able to see details and things like that? I imagine I'm just reading into this. Um, I imagine that because HSP people are more attuned, it seems mm-hmm. to the, my, the minute, mm-hmm. what other people are missing. Right. Like this person you were talking about here coaching, mm-hmm. who's able to watch the room, see the relationships that nobody else is really seeing and what's happening there. Mm-hmm. So this seems like a, another layer of detail oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, depending on the person, uh, my level of detail orientation tends to be more around people. Uh, I've often called myself a social perfectionist because you can see if you look around my room here like in terms of my space and everything has to be in place it's not something I struggle with but relationally I do and I do notice things very detailed uh, that way Mm. Um, having said that my senses are very sharp like I said Uh, so uh, I have always said in another life I would love to be a food critic because I can taste all the oh yes you can or sommelier yes those are yes. two things I would love to do. Uh, but it can also be a negative in that uh, things will annoy me more easily because I pick up on it more. Mm. Are you annoyed at people who don't, um, who are insensitive? No, I think it's more I'm annoyed if there's too much stimuli coming in. Okay. So like, I don't like when people chew loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's certain noises that just drive me nuts. Yeah, anyway, I digress. But that might be something that listeners will also recognize. And I see that in the research, it says that HSPs tend to work very well in team environments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that that's that uh, awareness of others. The, yeah, the, and the needs of others the needs and the needs others. to have some cohesion on the team and to pay mm-hmm. attention to the nuance. Yeah. And HSPs can be really deep thinkers, very uh, uh, introspective, and they think about things thoroughly. And so what they bring to the team can be very, very insightful. And, you know, people have often uh, described me as being insightful. My parents said that from a very young age, I could read people like a book. Mm. And uh, because I was a bit more of a timid, fearful person, I read Danger, uh, and I was pretty accurate at being able to pick up on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we can um, put some information online on our show notes for people to do a bit of that self-analysis. There's some online tools that oh, are really great. great as well. But I, I kind of want to flip to um, talking about what we can do with that. Um, and as I started the conversation with, part of my exposing myself is me still working it through, but my also calling out to other HSPs in the world to recognize the gift that they are. Yes. Uh, like an orchid or a Stradivarius violin, just the beauty that we can bring to this world. Uh, and, and, and for me, it's the combination of self-acceptance and how I'm wired, being true to that wiring, 
not letting it dictate every decision I make, because sometimes what it does is it does make me more irritable or more anxious or more prone to avoid. So I have to be aware of that. But at the same time, being able to see that out of that sensitivity, uh, I notice things that God has put onto my plate for me to attend to. Yes. That's a good thing. And so if you're listening and you're at HSP or you're starting to resonate with this and you recognize how you've lived in this place of self-judgment and trying to shut it down for years, spend some time um, pondering this. Uh, Do the research, read the articles we're going to post in the self-assessment, but begin to reframe this. Like what are the strengths that you bring to this world? Absolutely. By being a sensitive person. Yep. And, and of think that. of all the occupations, mm. professions where you want a sensitive person sitting across the desk from you. Right. right. Right? Yeah, exactly. So what could God be asking of you? What, what, not just occupations, but, you know, ministry or service that you could do that others would not That's right. even know to do. And also with that, is the grace of accepting that you have your limitations, that you may be more easily uh, topped up with just all the data that you've absorbed, Mm -hmm. all the emotions you've felt, and that it is okay to disengage and to rest and to not fix that thing. And by the way, you sensing things that have to be fixed doesn't have to mean tomorrow. No. This could be a, a thing that God is leading you towards. It's a longer term calling he's got on your life. And you, as you continue to grow in self-acceptance and working out of the best of who you are, you're becoming more and more prepared for that change that the world needs that God is going to do through you. What I'm hearing is three things. Mm. Radical acceptance, Mm -hmm. radical gratitude for the gifts that Mm. that HSPs bring to the world, Mm -hmm. and then radical calling. Wow. That's what I'm hearing from that. Yeah. Because when you can radically accept Mm. that these, this HSP uh, propensity is a good thing, Mm -hmm. it's the orchid and the Stradivarius. Mm -hmm. And when you can be grateful for the gifts of the, I mean, I want to hear a Stradivarius played well. I want to look at an orchid rather than a dandelion. Mm -hmm. So the radical gratitude for the beauty of it, Mm -hmm. and then the radical calling that comes out of those giftings, huge. Yeah. Oh, that, you summed it up beautifully. Thank you. Yeah, that's a bingo, bongo, bango moment. It is truly. Yeah, it is. And that's what I heard all through that. Yes, thank you. So thank you for sharing that, Mary. I'm Mm -hmm. sure that's going to minister to some other people. I hope so. For sure. I hope so. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.